Hello, everyone. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. How are we doing, everyone? And welcome to episode three of the NBA Unwrapped podcast, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. So today we're going to be talking about some of the 2K ratings that came out over the past few weeks for a few players from around the league. And then after that, we are going to be focusing solely on just two, what I anticipate to be really big debates between Perry and myself. Um, One of them will be a top 10 list for the best players of all time in NBA history. And then the other one is going to be a top 10 list of current NBA players. So I'm sure Perry and I are going to have a lot to say about that. So this episode should be really fun. So, let's get to it. Yeah, with that, Perry, let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start with the 2K ratings. So we're going to try to breeze through this pretty quickly. Just I'm going to read out the different ratings. You give your take on if it's too high, too low, or just right. And then for each player, we're going to briefly just say what we think their rating will be at the end of the year on 2K because 2K updates throughout the entire year. So I'll start with the lowest player first. So... Ben McLemore, 73 overall. He's with the Memphis Grizzlies this year. What do you think about that? Well, let's start with, I, was, I think it's hilarious that they leaked his rating. <laughs> uh, of all people, Ben McLemore. Uh, I mean, 73, uh, I think it's uh, that's fine. It's nothing special, but he is, uh, to me, a good backup, too. Uh, 73 seems about right to me. What are your, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think a 73 is fine. He hasn't lived up to the expectations from when the Kings drafted him. I mean, him leaving the Kings after his rookie deal was up and them not even making him a restricted free agent, that pretty much tells you all you need to know. So 73 is fine. I think he'll get a good opportunity in Memphis. Memphis just, I don't think they're really going to be that great this year. He's going to get good amount of playing time and I think by the end of the year he'll probably be maybe I'll give him like 74 75 yeah I mean with the playing time he's gonna get he'll be in a more of a winning culture at least even though you don't think they'll be all that great I still think they'll slip in the playoffs um but uh yeah no I think 75 76 if he makes it like you know 76 75 most likely (laughs) 76 if he makes some big strides (laughs) yeah all right, so next up is Nick Young, just signed with the Golden State Warriors, and he's rated as a 74 overall. What's your take on that one? Um, I'll go a little low for this one. Okay. I would like to see him at like a 76. Um, I think he's just been stuck in L.A. for uh, far too long now. Nothing wrong with the Lakers, but of course the last few years have been atrocious. So now going to a winning team, I see him finding an awesome role on another championship year for the Warriors. But I think just his shot alone and his improved defense this past year, I think he, not that he's all that great of a defender, but improved, I think uh, 76 would have been about right. Uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think it was a little low too. I think I would put him at like a 77. He had a good year for the Lakers last year. It's pretty incredible how his career pretty much took a complete 180 over the course of one year because going into training camp last year, there were there was serious talk that the Lakers would be better off just cutting him and not having him on their roster. And right, I think, uh, I think Luke Walton had a lot to do with that too. Yeah, yeah, and he ended up being their starting two guard, and his defense, uh-huh. he's not an all-first-team or all-second-team type defensive player, but... His defense improved quite a bit. Yeah, he and, was always known to be uh, not you know not enough hustle, really lazy on the defensive end. So yeah. after this year, he was hustling. He was showing that he was going after more loose balls. Like he was better on one on one and off the ball defense. So I, I don't know. Just I think just the defense improvement alone brings him up a little notch. But his three point shooting has always been there. So. Yeah, yeah. So I think. Um, I think he should have been around a 77, and I think by the end of the year, with all the exposure he's going to get on the Warriors, he's going to get tons of open looks, and he actually graded out as the second-best spot-up shooter in the NBA last year, behind, no surprise, Steph Curry. 
So uh, I think with all of the open looks he's going to get playing with Durant, Green, Curry, and Thompson, that's going to give him a really good year. And I think by the end of the year, he'll probably be 78, 79. Yeah, so I'm going to say, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say he's going to be at a 79. I think he's yeah. supposed to be at like a 76 right now. And you just go up to a 79, but at this point, I think he's going to get to a 79 regardless. So Yeah, yeah. So next up is a player that pains me to say that he is no longer a part of the Los Angeles Lakers. Eventually, <laughs> we will get to the podcast where we will be discussing that trade because it was not a good trade for the Lakers. Yeah, so, D'Angelo Russell, 80 overall for the Brooklyn Nets. What are your thoughts? Perfect. Okay. I think, yeah, I think perfect, maybe even one overall too high, 79, right. 80. I think, I, I, think, I think he landed in such a perfect situation. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a great year with the Nets. I think end of this year, his overall is going to be 84, 85. I was going to say 83. I don't see anything too huge happening, but I see him – you know, carving out more of a leadership role on a team that needs it with a young coach and a team that doesn't very, win very much and hasn't really had a culture towards wanting to win. Uh, so I think this is the first year that they've, you know, brought him on, was able to take on some bigger contracts, obviously, to one, put some players on their team, but two, obviously, be um, that team that will take on some of those bad contracts if it's worth it. Um but yeah, they snuck out with a gem in D'Angelo Russell. I think he's going to thrive under that coach. Yeah, that's why I think it'll be up around 84, 85, because he's really going to be the only player that they have really on the team um, okay. this year. And I think his stats will be really good because he's going to have a high usage rate. I think the Nets, they're still going to be terrible, but he'll do really right. well this year. So next up is the number one pick. In last year's draft, I say, I say we do, uh, let's do these two together. We got uh, the number okay. one and the number two. All right, so we got Fultz and Lonzo Ball both at an 80 overall. What's your take on that? Perfect and perfect. Uh, I know we had a lot of discussion about this. Uh, if anything, maybe a little bit too high for both of them. Maybe they haven't proved as much. Uh, to have D'Angelo Russell at an 80, I think maybe these guys should be slotted at like 78. Uh, both of them. But, I mean, they're better than each other in different categories, if you really think about it. And what you see, obviously the season hasn't hit yet, but you can argue all day who's a better player between the two of them. You can argue who's better at this, that, who's taller. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were the respected one and two. Could have been flipped either way. Um, and, yeah, you know, Lonzo are a great summer league. And coming into the season, they're both poised in really good situations. And I see, but you know, it's going to improve for sure by the end of the year. But I think it might have been a little too high. But the fact that they're both the same, I like. Yeah, I think Fultz and Ball at an eighty. I think that it surprised me. Just it's rare that you see in two K a rookie being right. an eighty overall. And I think looking at last year, I believe Ben Simmons was a seventy nine when um, the. <laughs> The game came out, and okay. I don't think Fultz or Ball are as good as Simmons heading into their rookie year as he was last year. So okay. I think I I don't have a huge problem with either of them being at an 80 overall. I think if I were rating them, I'd probably put Fultz at a 79 and Ball, Ball at a 78 or a 77. Um, okay. But, yeah, I don't think it was anything that terrible. Yeah, the 80 was generous, though, but you yeah. know, not, the, not the end of the world. Yeah, All right, so yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one. We got Dwight Howard at 81. Too what high. are your thoughts? Too high. I think <laughs> Dwight Howard, you look at his stats from last year, he still put up good stats. Um, but it's just he doesn't he doesn't make the impact that his stats would show you. And... The 81 overall, I don't think he's better than Lonzo Ball, Fultz, or D'Angelo Russell. I think Dwight Howard is this big man that the NBA is moving away from, someone who is just going to do his damage from within five feet. And, um, yeah, I just I don't see an 81 overall from I'd put him at probably like a 77, 78 maybe. I also okay. hate Dwight Howard, so. Yeah, I mean, I know you're not a huge Dwight Howard fan. Uh, for me, around 80. 
I think this is okay. Maybe a little generous since it's Dwight Howard and all. But, I mean, his stats were pretty decent. He's a big man that really is rebounding, you know, havoc. He really can block shots and disrupt your shot. Uh, I mean, I like his play, of course. Obviously, we're going towards the whole big man shoot threes and, you know, stretch the floor kind of uh, offenses nowadays. Dwight Howard doesn't really fit. But just off his stats and him still being an NBA player, obviously, in 2K, I don't know, 80, 81. Like, I just think he's, you know, it's kind of sad now with him on another team now after all of this and all the drama. I mean, if they had, like, a drama attribute, then we can, like, make that, like, a 99. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you think it's too low. Uh, what do you think it's to be by the end of the year? Uh, I think probably... I think with him, they're not really going to move it that much. He's going to put up the same type of stats. He's on the Hornets, so he's not going to get much attention there. Um, I don't think it'll really change. Still be an 80 or 81, but he should be 77, 78. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, next up is Devin Booker, who I know you're a big fan of, coming from oh, yeah. Arizona. So he's at an 86. What do you think of that? Well, as you said, from Arizona, so I'm uh, now in LA again. I'm living here now, so that's uh, news to all the listeners. <laughs> thank God. But uh, yeah, coming from Arizona, just like I said, he he is such a public figure there. He's so so cool to have out there with you know Josh Jackson and that young core, and him being the leader. Like in my opinion, but 86, I think, is spot on uh, after an amazing season last year that really exceeded expectations. I think 86 is so perfect for him, and it's just going to go higher and higher throughout his career. But what do you think? Yeah, I think 86 is good for him. I think he's definitely outlived expectations. His first two years, last year he had that game where, what did he have, 71 points against the Celtics in a loss? And they were kind of helping him out at the end, fouling to get some more points once they knew they were going to lose, but still, that's just so impressive. What is he, 20 years old, right? Yeah, I mean, at yeah. that point, you can't, you can't even go to the club after the game to go <laughs> celebrate, and you're you're dropping, you know, the highest scoring game since Kobe Bryant. Yeah, so I think so. 86 is good, and then by the end of this year, probably be up around 88 or 89, as long as he keeps progressing the way that he has. So 89, yeah. Yeah, next up is Joel Embiid, who was rated as an 86. What do you think of that one? Is that with or without the injury uh, <laughs> attribute on there for 2K? That's if he's completely healthy. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, he's a great player. He can spot up. He's actually he's exactly what you're talking about with the way that the NBA is transitioning uh, with their big man. I love Embiid, honestly. It's just really sad that he can't play uh, as much as we'd like him to play with all his injury problems. So I see him having another very good year, similar to his stats last year, and improving uh, improving on some of his game. But really, I see him playing 40 games tops, maybe 45. Um, and that's sad to say. I hope he proves me wrong. But you can't really blame me since he's logged in 31 games in you know how many years now. So uh, yeah, what do you what do you think about the 86? Yeah, I think. This might surprise you. I mean, I talk crap about Embiid, not as much as some people we know, but um, I just, it's all because he can't stay healthy. But this is a rating if he's healthy, and if he's healthy, I think it's too low. I think I'll say an 88. Okay. Um, and I think when he's healthy, he's one of the best big men in the NBA. It's just he can never stay healthy. So. As far as I mean, like, he he has only logged in thirty one games, thirty one so games in three it, years. Impress, so impre- impressive games, though. But yeah. I mean, when you then you look at Devin Booker, who we just rated at an eighty six, it's hard to put Embiid higher. Well, Embiid, when he plays, he's averaging like eighteen points and eight rebounds, or it might yeah, I think it's eighteen and eight in like so. twenty four, twenty five minutes. So he is definitely. You can't question the talent that he has. It's just he Not cannot stay healthy. So I think his rating at the end of the year, it just depends. If he stays healthy, and if he stays healthy, I think the Sixers will be one of the 
probably yeah, top five teams in the East, top five or yeah, top I mean, six. With the, with so the I think, yeah, with yeah, it, yeah, if Embiid leads there, they're going to the playoffs. Well, so I sure. think if he's healthy, he's going to get even more exposure, and so that'll only help his 2K rating. So then I think by the end of the year, he'd probably be 91, 92. But okay, if he, well, I think I think for me that's just a little too high okay. too soon. I think he has the potential for sure to be in the 90s every year for the rest of his career. Um, but I think by the end of the year, if he is healthy, and that's a big if, he's 89 to me. He doesn't okay. crack that 90 yet, uh, but he's right where, you know, right on that threshold right there. But if he's not healthy, he stays right there at an 86. Just yeah, he's yeah if he's not healthy, early. nothing's changing, so... All right, um, for the rest of these, let's try to get through these a little quicker because I know we both right, want to cool. move on to the uh, two lists that we have for all-time rankings and current rankings. So, Kristaps Porzingis, 86, too high, too low, just right? Just right. Okay, yeah, I think just right, too, and I think end of the year probably be 87, 88. I was thinking 88, yeah, okay. it'll definitely improve. Yeah, I'll say 88, too, then. Uh, next up, Gordon Hayward, just signed with the Boston Celtics. He's currently rated as an 88. What do you think? Another perfect. Uh, I don't think he's a 90 player. I don't think he's an 85 player. He's an 87 or an 88. That's perfect. And by the end of the year, um, he you know maybe creeps up into the 90s uh, with a good year in Boston, which I love that signing. Uh, if not, I think he stays at an 88, 89. Yeah, I think 88's fine for him right now. He's not... He's... an all-star type player especially in the east but he's not someone who is going to change the entire direction of your franchise and i actually think if anything um he i could see him going down to 87 86 by the end of the year i think he's never had to share the ball the way that he's going to have to share the ball with gordon i mean with isaiah thomas and it's not like gordon hayward is a me first type player who needs the ball but it's going to be a little bit of a, an adjustment period, and him being on a much brighter stage in Boston than with Utah, I think it'll just some of his. He's going to get more exposure, and then some of his deficiencies are going to start to play out or be more well known. They've always been there, and I think okay. that could just dip his rating a little bit. So I think end of the year, I'll say eighty six for him. Okay, uh, we got next up. We got Demar Derozan at an eighty nine. What do you think? I think regular season, 89 is great. Playoffs come around, he dips way down because that's kind of been the narrative with him and Kyle Lowry for the past three, four years whenever the Raptors started being relevant. They've just not played well in the playoffs. But 89 is good right now, and I don't think that's going to change at all this year. We know what DeRozan is, what he's going to give us, and I think he's been around 89 for like the past three years anyways. Yeah, no, I agree. 89 is uh, perfect. If anything, maybe a 90. If we're, I mean, I'm not going to consider playoffs in here. I'm just going to talk about him as a player. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah. You know, he comes, from, he comes from Compton. I know he, like, trains right around the corner here. Um, yeah, no, he's amazing. Hopefully him and Lowry, now that they're locked, uh, they lock the whole squad back in for the next few years. They can figure it out. Um, but, you know, if not, either way, I think 89 is for the rest of the year. I think we can both agree that stays right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, next up we got Kyrie Irving, uh, the cover athlete, of course. Uh, at a 90, what do you think about that? I think 90 is the perfect rating for him, but I'm a little surprised it wasn't like a 92 or so, because normally, right? normally whoever the cover athlete is, they get a few, one, two, three, three points more than they should, just because they are the cover athlete. And I think going forward... I think it all depends if Kyrie Irving stays with the Cavs or if he gets traded, and if he's traded, what type of situation. Because if he's on a team like the, I don't know, even the Timberwolves, even though it's a small market, if they get Kyrie, say, for Andrew Wiggins and some other smaller assets, I think Kyrie Irving's rating could go up by one or two points just because he's going to still be on a really good team not as good as the Cavs because he doesn't have LeBron James but he'll be called upon to do more scoring and that's where he shines so I think that that could raise his overall some more but he's definitely the hardest one out of any of these guys to pinpoint where his overall is going to be at the end of the year just because of so much uncertainty surrounding him I agree 90 is perfect for him I I totally agree with 
the surprise on the fact that he didn't get bumped up a few more yeah. due to the fact yeah. I saw I saw a video of his reaction and he was he was pretty <laughs> he was pretty shocked. Like, he wasn't like he was joking around. Like he was kind of like, oh okay, I'll, you know, I'll be higher by the end of the year. Like don't worry. Oh but, yeah, like, well, you kind of have you kind of have to say that. I well, think I mean, kinda, these, these players they take their ratings seriously, and I don't blame oh, them. Totally, I, I would yeah. too. I mean, if, if I was I, on the cover, yeah. if I was on the cover, <laughs> you know, I'd expect at least a ninety three. <laughs> let me let me let me be yeah. real or you know for me in 99 for Kyrie, like in 93 yeah but um honestly i think 90 is perfect by the end of the year uh just like you said well he's not gonna go to the Timberwolves. last thing i read that they may just made andrew wiggins untouchable and they're gonna lock him into a max deal uh, obviously that's not for sure that's yeah. the last thing i read right. uh some other thing i read too yesterday was that the suns would be like pretty much the only last likely destination for him still see that happening still think that would be the most Awesome thing ever with Kyrie and Devin Booker as the one-two. I know you can agree with that. I think anyone that likes watching basketball can agree with that. Um, but if he goes anywhere, it's the Suns. Uh, if not, he stays in Cleveland until they, it really yeah. gets bad, and then they have to get rid of him. And it can get really ugly. I just, I, I thought it by now it would have been done. Yeah. It's not. He they they announced the uh, the new uniforms today uh, with Kyrie's uniform. You know what I mean. So that was on Cleveland Cavaliers social media and everything. Yeah. So he's there. Uh, he's he's yeah. wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey on the on the cover. So I think yeah. first off, it's not just going to be the Suns that are the last destination, likely destination for him. If he is made available, which he might already be made available, we're not in the talks with the GMs there's going to be a line of teams waiting for Right, him. I was talking about the teams that already were rumored yeah. to have okay. the, the, big, the best also, chance right now. But. Also, though, with I saw those statements made by, I think Glenn Taylor is the Timberwolves owner. I saw the statements made by him where he said that Wiggins was not going anywhere and he was getting a max contract. I think also when Kevin Love was on the Timberwolves, he said a similar type statement about how Kevin Love isn't going anywhere, and then what ends up happening? He gets traded for Andrew Wiggins. So these, right, it's a business at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, well, they're going to say they're guys. going to say that all the time because they don't. Why? What incentive does he have to say? Yeah, we're trying to trade Wiggins for Kyrie or for someone else. No, you want these players to feel like they're safe so that it's right. not on their minds. But yeah, you got you got to back your if guys. If you can trade Wiggins for Kyrie Irving, of course you do it. Uh, of, course. of course. All right, so uh, we're getting sidetracked. So, yeah. yeah, nine ninety. I think we both agree he's good. Yes. If anything, I think he goes up to about ninety-two, maybe. Yes. All right. Uh, so John have, Wall. Yes, John Wall. So five left. John Wall is at a ninety overall right now. What do you think? Uh, a little low. I think he deserves a ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah, I but, think uh, I think ninety-one for him, and I think end of this year. I think the Wizards. I think they'll be the three seed in the East. Um, yeah. I haven't put a ton of thought into where all the standings if, are going to be. If not, if not the two seed, I really like that team. Yeah, I guess that's also dependent upon what happens with the Cavs with Kyrie, too, and how Boston meshes together. But that's for another podcast. Um, so John Wall, yeah, I think 91, and then by the end of the year, probably 91, 92. Yeah, where he deserves to be. Okay, yeah. uh, we got Paul George at a 91. Too high, too low, perfect. I think that's perfect. I agree. Totally perfect. Um, do you see him going up at all in the year? Um, Probably staying at a 91. I think I think, uh, I think 91 is so perfect for him. I don't see him squeaking higher or lower unless I, he really has the best year ever uh, on the Thunder. Well, I could actually see it the opposite. I don't really think that he's going to go up. I could see him dipping to a... 90 or an 89 if he just can't really adjust to playing with Westbrook. Because I think Westbrook won't have that big of an adjustment just because the ball is naturally in his hands since he's a point guard. But George has never played with someone nearly as ball dominant as Russell Westbrook. So it's going to take some adjusting right, but too. Don't, don't, don't knock his uh, ability to pass and everything. You oh, know, no. And, but Westbrook. Double, so you need someone to score those passes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But. I can uh, see right, so um, I think we both agree on that one. Yeah. The next one we got is Carl uh, Anthony Towns, uh, 91. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's good how it is. I think throughout this year, if the Timberwolves do well and make the playoffs, like I think they will, and you probably will agree with that. Totally agree. Yeah, I think Towns could go up to a 90, say 93. 
Yeah, we're in total agreement. 91's perfect for him. He'll go up to a 93 just because he's an absolute animal, and I think he's going to be the best big man in the league for years to come. Uh, debatably top three, but in my opinion, I don't know who's going to be much better than him. He's insane. So Yeah. All right, um, next up, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. So yeah, Steph Curry, do those together. <laughs> yeah, let's just knock this out. So Steph Curry, 94, Kevin Durant, 96. What do you think? Um... Batman and Robin, uh, I think it's perfect. Katie's, I'm really curious what they're going to put LeBron as, uh, but Katie is the second best player in the league. Most would agree on that. Some would say maybe third or fourth, whatever, but um, 96 is generous for him and good. Uh, I was thinking 95 originally, 96 is fine. Steph Curry, I was thinking right around 94 anyway, so I think that's perfect too. I see them both staying the same throughout the year too. Yeah, I think Durant, you got to give him at least a 97 just because okay. we don't know what Harden's rating is, but I just remember Harden and Kawhi Leonard in 2K17, they were both a 96, and they're both phenomenal players, but there is a difference between Kevin Durant's level and Harden's and Kawhi's. So I think give him a 97 just to separate him. As for Curry, I think 95 for him. I wouldn't even be opposed to a 96. I think we forget about how great he was before Durant joined. Two-time Yeah, of course. I mean, how great he was with Durant, too. Yeah, yeah. But without him, the only ever unanimous NBA MVP for the regular season. So, yeah, I think a little low for both of them. Um, But the Warriors are going to be good enough in 2K. We don't need to give them any more ammo. Right. All right, cool. So I think uh, so we're all done with those 2K ratings. I think we both can say 2K hit it pretty pretty good on the dot. Uh, maybe one or two that we could say, you know, one or two points here or there. But they're all pretty, you know, pretty spot on. I can't wait to find out the rest of them. This game looks insane. I know yeah. I saw there was all these new features uh, making it so much more interactive. And these, you know, these graphics are so real. It's crazy. So I'm definitely going to grab that game. Uh, the second it comes out, but yeah, yeah, I think one thing I'm excited about is because I love playing the my league and my GM, where you get to just take control of a franchise. Is just the cap holds that it has now, and how it makes free agency so much more realistic. Yeah, now. It's, it's all so realistic. Well, it's insane what they did with this year. Yeah, now you can't. No longer can you. Oh, if you have LeBron James on your team and he's a free agent, just not sign him and then go sign some other players, like three other max level players, and then go sign LeBron James because there's no cap hold on your team. Now there's that cap hold, so he's going to count for, I don't know, 30, 35, 40 million dollars against the cap. So even if you don't have him signed, it's not like he counts for nothing against you and you can go get right. some other players. So it's uh, exciting crazy game. realistic. Yeah, yeah. So all right, all right. So let's move on to uh, the lists. Yes, let's go top 10 players in NBA history first. Um, so, I don't know, you want to go first or should I? Um, I'll go first because okay. I think yours, uh, I have a feeling, will probably shock more people. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with Michael Jordan, uh, Mr. MJ, uh, six-time champ, five-time MVP, 30,000-plus points, the clutch of the clutch, Mr. Goat. Whatever you want to say, that is who you want to be. If you're looking up to be a basketball player, that is your idol. That is everyone's idol. MJ23, he's uh, number one. Uh, number two, uh, Bill Russell. Uh, he's such a champ. 11, 11 championships. It's unheard of in any sport, let alone, of course, basketball, which he... It, it seemed like he couldn't not win. Um, three-time MVP, 20,000-plus rebounds. Dude was an animal. Um, three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, the all-time leading scorer. Uh, six-time champ, six-time MVP, created the skyhook. Um, insane player. Uh, number four, LeBron James. Uh, he might not have the same exact accolades as some of the people I put behind him, but he's going to in the next couple of years. And it's crazy that he still has, I'd say, another five years left in him, uh, give or take. Uh, Three-time champ, four-time MVP, uh, ten-time All-NBA first team, and it's just LeBron James. That dude's insane. If he's not winning the championship, he pretty much is and loses at the last second. But he's he's always there. 
Uh, it's always about him, too. It doesn't matter where he goes. They're great. If LeBron's there, they suck. If he's not, so... Um, and then right after that, number five, Wilt Chamberlain, um, seven-time uh, NBA scoring leader, I believe. Um, pretty sure he's the all-time uh, leading rebounder too. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, insane, hundred-plus point game. Uh, everything he did. Um, let's see. After that, Magic Johnson, um, five-time champ, three-time MVP, Showtime. That dude was so tall and was able to play point guard with such finesse, like no other player could. Um, okay, so uh, you know, I think right after that, it was a little hard for me, but I slotted uh, Kobe Bryant right there, one of my probably my favorite all time player. Uh, yours too, <clears throat> Mr. Kobe Bryant, uh, five time champs, got a ring for each finger. Uh, he's the youngest player to hit 30,000 points, and he was the best player uh, that I got to uh, see growing up. This dude, I dreamt about, you know, going to LA Laker games all the time. Uh, I didn't get to experience, you know, Showtime. I didn't get to experience, you know, the Skyhook, any of that cool stuff. Uh, but what I got to experience was Kobe Bryant. When I'm experiencing still LeBron James, all these other legends that, you know, Tim Duncan, who's, you know, next on the list for me, or, you know, two up for me. But, uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant, just for me, especially being in L.A., just such such an idol. Uh, but I think he's perfect right there. Um, and we got uh, Larry Bird, uh, who had the best rivalry of all time uh, at, at that time, of course, with, uh, you know, Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson was the only one to one-up him. So, I mean, I just thought that was so magical, watching all the uh, classics that I watch all the time and watching them play against each other. Uh, he was just so clutch, Larry Bird. It didn't matter. Like, he just won. Uh, crazy player. Didn't look like he can, uh, you know, move very well, but he was one of the most versatile foremen, you know, ever. Um, and then Tim Duncan, 15-time NBA All-Star. Uh, that dude is insane. He's a champ. Uh, Three-time NBA champion. Uh, MVP. Uh, he, him and Pop are just the coolest duo ever to not be cool. Uh, but yeah, love them, love him. Such a simple game, uh, mid-range, off the backboard. Such an awesome defender, such a havoc, but you know, such a quiet guy. And so perfect to be the face of that franchise for so long. And uh, to round it off, I got Shaq, Mr. Shaquille O'Neal, uh, four-time uh, NBA champ, went three with Kobe. What's up? Way too low on that one, but we'll get to it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah, know, so I got to experience him growing up, too, uh, in his prime. No one can stop Shaq. It was that simple. He was the most destructive human being on a basketball court, and he would just thrust you forward and, like, tear down the entire backboard. And, like, this dude was insane. <clears throat> Two-time scoring champ at the center position. Uh, never had a three-point game or anything. It wasn't like that. It was just the fact that he was so brutal down low, but still had finesse in the post. But, you know, he didn't have to be the stretch five or whatever that, you know, you're looking for nowadays. He was just a building. That's what Shaq was. But, you know, four-time champ, three with Kobe, one as Dwayne Wade, sidekick, 15-time uh, NBA All-Star. Like, what else can you say? Uh, those last three were super hard for me to pick between the three of them and the order, but uh, I think I got my list pretty perfect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, you know, a few players that could have made my list. Also Julius Irving, Oscar Robinson, of course, you know, some of the, Akeem Olajuwon, some of these players that I was struggling with these last three were so hard for me, but um, I think I had a good mix of, old timers and some players that I thankfully got to watch in my days. So, uh, all right. So onto your list now, let's blow some people away. <laughs> okay. So when I was making up this list, whenever I think of best players in NBA history, um, I rate it based off of thinking, okay, if I'm going to start an NBA team, what player do I want to start my franchise around build around that player? So at number one, I am putting Shaquille O'Neal. I don't care. I don't care what wow. you say. I don't care what anybody else says. Shaquille O'Neal is the most dominant force to ever play in the NBA. 
everybody send your hate mail to me personally so I can personally <laughs> deliver it to Corbin. And if you, there is no better example of it than look at what Shaquille O'Neal did in the 2000 NBA Finals against the Indiana Pacers when he is that close to his first ring. That was Shaq at his most motivated ever. He averaged 38 points, 17 rebounds, I think two and a half assists, almost three blocks a game. And then in 2001, he backs that up with, I think it was like 36.16 rebounds. And 02, when he's, I think that was like his age 30 season, he's still putting up like 34 and 15 against the net, against what the about, Nets in a sweep. What about, what about, you know, Will? What about no. any of these other players I'm, that scored at Will kind of thing? Like, and they went off during the playoffs too. Will, and I know that Shaq was dominant on both ends, but for number one. Perry, Will. Okay, he had that one season when he had fifty points per game. He was playing against a ton of like six foot eight, six foot nine white guys. You put Shaq up against the type of competition <laughs> Wilt played against. Uh, oh my dude, god! No, nobody drank the same amount of milk back then. That was for everyone. Just you think about Shaq, seven foot one, three hundred twenty five pounds, and yet he was the most athletic big man on the court. Even though every other big. Shaq probably outweighed them by 80 to 100 pounds at least. And yet yeah, he was not, still able argue, to I'm move better than them, jump higher Shaq. than them. The things, I'm not, not, yeah. not going to argue with you on Shaq because I totally agree with everything you're saying. It's just a matter of where you want to place I just him, think, but, you know, I think he was one of the greatest forces of all time. Yeah, I just think if I'm building a team around any one player, I'm starting with the most dominant force to ever play the game of basketball, and that is okay. unquestionably Shaquille O'Neal. So okay. then moving on at number two, I have LeBron James. I think just he is another guy who you could argue second most dominant force in NBA history when you but it's a different kind of domination. Shaq totally, it was just totally different. Shaq it was just he is going to absolutely outpower you. And LeBron does that too, but not to the same exact extent as Shaq. And then LeBron also obviously he's a great playmaker for his teammates and um he rebounds great as well. Before Russell Westbrook, LeBron James was the guy who was kind of the triple double threat. Um so yeah, I have LeBron James number two. Then I have Michael Jordan in at number three. Um, during his prime, I, we all know how great Michael Jordan was, but I'd rather want LeBron on my team than Michael Jordan if I'm building a team around them. All of these guys are in their prime. Number four, Magic Johnson. I think unquestionably the best teammate ever. The things that he was able to do with the ball passing-wise, no one is ever going to be able to replicate. Even There are some people who say that Lonzo Ball has the same type of court vision as Magic Johnson. If we can only be so lucky. Lonzo Ball has unbelievable court vision, but I will not go that far. Lonzo Ball has a long way to go. Anybody else has a long way to go. It's Magic Johnson than everyone else as far as court vision and passing. Oh, yeah. Showtime. So, and then Magic still, he could put up, I think he probably averaged close to 20 points per game for his career. So it's not like you could just think of him as a passer. He could still score. Uh, re- rebounding, too. That yeah, rebounding, too. I think he holds the record for most triple doubles in NBA history. Westbrook's coming fast for that record, but for the time being, it's Magic. So number five, I got Kobe Bryant. Um, again, just Kobe Bryant, when he is locked in and focused, you can tell, I loved watching Kobe Bryant when he was in his prime and when he was pissed off about something and really wanted something, which especially come playoff time, that was every single game. I loved watching that and the way that he would just attack everyone and he would not care who was in front of him. He was going to score no matter what he had to do. He was going to play so through right. any injury. Any injury, he was going to play through it no matter what. And people talk about how Kobe Bryant wouldn't have had those three titles without Shaq. Maybe not, but Shaq would not have had those three titles without Kobe either. And I know uh, I have totally, Shaq as totally. the number one player on my list of best players of all time, but people forget that in the 01 finals, because of Shaq's dominance when he was averaging 36 and 16 against the Sixers, Kobe almost averaged a triple-double for that final series. So he has been a dominant player from not quite the moment he stepped into the league. It took a few years before 
he became the Kobe Bryant we all know and some of us love, some of us hate. But for 14, 15 years, Kobe Bryant was unbelievable, and I'm putting him at number five. Number six, I have yeah, Kareem. Uh, one, oh, of the best, one, of, one of the best players to ever watch, for sure. Such an emotional player. Like, just plays with – you can tell, just like you said, when, like I loved what you said that. Like, you could see what he's just so pissed. You could see what he's so – Oh, yeah. Know, and, and it's someone else's face. Like, you, were, you know, when he was locked in, it was like this weird, like, sixth sense that, like, you know, you just couldn't, like, understand you just had to watch you know so there were games yeah. where he was he had the scowl on his face and he'd hit a big shot and beat his chest and there'd be spit which was basically i thought of it as venom coming from the black mamba spewing <laughs> out of his mouth just oh i loved that just reliving moments with you but All you right, gotta yeah, love so, that uh, mentality whether you're a lakers fan or not so yeah kobe at number five number six i got kareem abdul jabbar I think he, if he was playing in today's NBA, I don't think he would have the all-time leading scoring record just because he was 7'2", like 215 pounds. He had the most unstoppable shot in basketball history with the hook shot. But right. in today's NBA, I think it's also going away from trying to get into the post all the time. But when you have Kareem, you better be getting it into the post whenever you can. Um, I just think, look, I mean, the players at the top of this list, it's like splitting hairs for the most part. So Kareem at number six, I think that's good spot for him. And then number seven, I have Larry Bird. I hate the Boston Celtics, but I'm not going to let my bias affect this, even though you might think that with Bill Russell, but I'll get to that later. Why I don't have him on my top 10. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I got Bird at seven. Again, one of the just the ultimate competitor. And you look at him and you look at how unathletic he was, you would never have thought that he would be able to do the stuff that he could do. But a very underrated passer, um, a great playmaker, great rebounder, and then one of the best shooters in NBA history, for sure. Uh, defensively, definitely left something to be desired but how great he was offensively kind of it helps him out definitely with how sort of lackluster lackluster he was defensively so number eight Hakeem Olajuwon funny with Bird talking about his deficiencies on defense but Hakeem Olajuwon he didn't have any deficiencies on defense just an absolute terror, whether it was on the low block on offense, the type of post moves that he was able to do. We'd see, we've seen before Kobe Bryant one summer went and worked with Hakeem Olajuwon over the summer on post moves. And then I think a few years, a few years later, we saw LeBron James and Dwight Howard do the same thing. So that definitely speaks to just how great he was as a low post scorer, low post threat when you have the current greats in the NBA coming to you and asking you, please just teach me. Let me see some of your advice, please. So Elijah Wan, just one of the best players, best centers in NBA history. And according totally. to my ranking, third best center in NBA history, which I think is where he fits. Uh, so yeah, Elijah Wan at eight. Number nine, I got Wilt Chamberlain. I think you can't just look at his stats, obviously, because like I said a little while ago, the type of competition he was playing against is nothing like today's competition or the 90s or 80s. Even the 70s is when the competition started to get better. Um, just training started to get better and players were getting to be more athletic. So Wilt dominated in an era where there weren't too many seven-footers walking around, much less athletic seven-footers. And I mean, you can't, you can't hold that against him that he did dominate the way he did, but he was kind of supposed to. His most fierce competition was Bill Russell, who I'm not saying he was not a great player, but at six foot nine, like 205. You're saying Will pounds. Chamberlain versus Bill Russell doesn't give you a basketball hard on. <laughs> I'm saying that I would love to see that, but I'm saying I would much rather see Wilt Chamberlain go up against any of the three centers that I listed ahead of him. Elijah Wan, Kareem, especially against Shaquille O'Neal because 
Wilt Chamberlain, people argue if it's Shaq or Chamberlain who's the most dominant force in NBA history. I think definitely Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I agree, yeah. Shaq, but and that was just I think but force I just think Bill is Russell, a specific six, word. Six foot nine, two oh five, two ten. And I know it can't all be about his height and his weight, but he was athletic, but he wasn't the most athletic big man in the world. And I just think in today's NBA, we would not be remembering Bill Russell anything like the way we do. He also had 11 wow. championships. A lot of it was because there were what half of the half of the teams in the NBA back then that are that there are now, and he only had to play three rounds, two or three rounds before. He won a championship, so eleven championships. Yes, eleven championships. In, eleven. I know. In I an know, era right where there, there were right there with you. In an we're era where the there Celtics. were two great teams, usually it was either the Celtics and then the Lakers had you, a nice run. But before they got way too much emphasis on the era, because of course they would have been different, but they would have had different body types if they were in this era. They would have been probably more beefy or but we had don't the know same what, training. We don't that know what their body about. types. Would have been though, so we can only go off so of what their body point, types were. So at this point, we can only work. go off, you know, the competition that they played because they would have been at that same level of competition. They were just, you know, a man among boys, just like it looks like with LeBron James nowadays sometimes, and how it looked with Kobe sometimes. At that point, yeah, maybe we were a little shorter, as you know. Except for me, I'm still five. I'm five eleven right now, but <laughs> I, you know, maybe people were more, you know, like me or a little bit taller, or whatever, but. Still, like, this is 11 years that you played in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, and won a championship. Oh, like, I that know. is unheard of in any sport. I know. You don't, have to remind, be argued. you don't have to remind me about the 11 championships. Most of them were against the Lakers. I am I fully mean, three, aware. 11 championships time, in 13 MVP, years. Yep. Three-time MVP, 20,000-plus rebounds. Like, I, you got to give this man some love. Like, I, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, number one is... A little crazy to me, but I can see what you're coming from I, there. But I mean, to not even you know have not Bill Russell in that top three, a little maybe top five, top eight, like that is that is what is winning right he's there. He's in my top. Look, we're not talking about legacy, so I'm not. If we're talking about legacy, yeah, he's probably got one of the top four. I mean, three, three, three time MVP, history. like twenty thousand plus rebounds. Like stats don't lie, too. Like yeah, if we're talking legacy, he's probably on my Mount Rushmore. As painful as that is, but in terms of who do I want to right. build my team around, he's not right. in my top ten. No question. So, right, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, take I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take that Mount Rushmore comment as a win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, number ten, I got Oscar Robertson. He was sort of the Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook, the Magic Johnson before Magic Johnson. Up until this past year when Westbrook broke the record, he had the record for most triple-doubles in a season. He was the last player before Westbrook to average a triple-double for an entire season. I believe his first five years in the NBA, he if you add them all together for his first five years, he averaged a triple-double, which that is extremely impressive. And I know that I had that comment about how Wilt and Bill Russell were going up against shorter guys, but Oscar Robertson was a six foot five point guard, which that's big for a point guard now and even bigger back then, but he's still going and having to rebound against guys who are taller than him. Um, and yeah, I just think that Oscar Robertson fits in at number 10. If I'm going to build a team around someone, he's the 10th player in NBA history that I'm going to build it around. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that a lot. Oscar Robertson, Julius Irving, and Elijah Wong were my 11, 12, 13. And really on any other day that I was feeling, you know, any other way, I could have convinced myself to slip those in, you know, for for Tim Duncan and all that and stuff and found a spot for him. But, I mean, yeah, there's no yeah. arguing. Oscar Robinson yeah. was Mr. Triple-Double. Yeah, I think Irving, I had him a little bit further down. I think I should also say that when I was making my list, I was thinking players that I'd build around in the NBA right now. So, like, if we were doing based on, like, maybe in the 70s when there was no three-point line or in the 80s, where the three-point line, three line really still wasn't that relevant, then yeah, maybe Irving's up there more, but he couldn't really shoot from outside that well, so I think that lowers him. Um, but the players Again, that I have... A, a different style of play yeah, back then. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, 
So the players that I had left just out was, this isn't in any particular order, but I had Tim Duncan, uh, probably the best power forward to ever play the game. Um, and then Isaiah Thomas, I think when we talk about all-time greats, sometimes we tend to forget about him just because he totally, played. We always totally, we overlook him yeah, always. Well, just because I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he played in the Magic Johnson era. So you kind of think about the best players from each decade, and when you think point guard in the 80s, it's Magic Johnson. And then Isaiah Thomas is the guy below him. Um, and then also both of the Malones I had right out, Moses and Carl. Moses Malone, what he was able to do coming right out of high school and then um, going to, he's on the Rockets, and I believe he was on the Clippers. Um, but then when he went to the Sixers in, um, let's see, what year was it? 82, when he made the famous prediction when the Sixers got to the playoffs and they asked him how his team was going to fare, and he said, fo fo fo, which ended up being fo five fo, but. Um, again, and that talks about only three rounds to win a championship versus four now, but yeah, he, the impact he made on the Sixers, they went up against the Lakers in the NBA finals and that Lakers team was so talented with Byron, not Byron Scott. They had Magic Johnson, Norm Nixon at the time. Nixon was traded for Byron Scott, um, following the, I believe it was the 83 draft. Um, but they had Norm Nixon, they had. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back when he was still in his prime. And Such a crazy team. Kareem had serious problems with Moses Malone. Kareem had serious problems with any physical big man. That's why going to the top 10, I had Kareem so much further down just because if he has to go up against someone like a Shaquille O'Neal, he would have really struggled. But what Moses Malone was able to do, he was the reason why the Sixers won the championship that year. I know they still had Julius Irving, but Moses Malone was the difference maker. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, at that point, you look at that team, you know, Julius Irving and Moses Malone, like, if any team's going to, you know, beat the Lakers that year, that's the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, it was the uh, 83 NBA Finals, because the 80, see, the difference was, in the 82 NBA Finals, the Sixers played the Lakers, but the Sixers didn't have Moses Malone. They realized they needed to, physical big man so then they came back with Moses Malone and they won they swept the okay, Lakers. Cor- correction yeah yeah so okay I mean yeah uh, the Malones I know you said Carl as well the mailman yeah I think he's someone else who we forget about and part of that has to do with the fact that he never won a championship I think He's the best player to never win an NBA ring. Would you agree with that, or do you have to totally, totally agree. Uh, him, I think Stockton's right up there on that top three, top five list for me, too. Yeah, I think Carl uh, uh, Malone was a much better player than John Stockton. Stockton was an unbelievable passer, um, and he was a great point guard, but not in the same level. I wouldn't put him in like my top 20 or even probably top 25. No, 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 I was uh, talking about in my top five for players oh, that haven't won a ring. Yeah, I think like Malone, you got Charles Barkley, you got um, who else? Allen Iverson definitely ahead of mm-hmm. him. Yeah, um, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. I mean, looking at your list compared to mine, I think obviously the biggest one is Bill Russell, and we spoke about that. You had him at number two. You gave a lot more weight to accolades than I did, right? Right, I think I think uh, you know you looked at it more along the lines of if I was going to put a team together right now with all of these guys in equal prime, who would I build around? Of course, and you know that definitely went into consideration for me. But also, when you're looking at best all time, you know, for me, numbers just don't lie, and that's it. I know uh, you can argue with who's better, who's worse when it comes to who would play one on one against each other, what ifs and stuff. But when it comes to the goal every year, year in and year out, is winning that championship. And I think nowadays it's going to become even less relevant uh, with the fact that you can just make a super team, you know, win a few championships or whatever. And at that point, it wasn't like, you know, a player that really won that championship without all the help around them or stayed at the same city their entire, you know, career. It's a bunch of what if factors now due to all the drama around the NBA. 
But, you know, when you're looking at who won the most championships, that's one thing. But you're also looking at, you're mainly looking at who all those scoring titles, MVPs, anything like that. And, of course, you talk about the level of competition that each of these guys face. But, you know, they faced who they faced uh, at a different time when it seems like we've evolved into a slightly better athlete, a little taller. Maybe they would have been a slightly better athlete or a little taller. Like, you kind of got to look at it both ways. And just, you know, they played who they played. And it's a different style of basketball now. But I feel like if they were our age at this point, coming into the NBA, they would have had different body types too. They would have maybe been able to adapt this way. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I think overall we both had a lot of similar names in our top ten. Just obviously very, very interchanging when it came to the end of the list with some of my players that were just left out and some of your players that were just left out. And I think, of course, the listing of the players – you know, one through 10 definitely changed a lot, but that obviously had, you know, what each of us value a little bit more when we do look at the best players of all time. Of course, we both have a little bit of different views on that. Yeah. I think I understand your argument about how, yes, even though Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain played in an era where there weren't, there wasn't as much competition as there is now, who's to say they wouldn't have been bigger and even better if they were playing now. But I'm not looking at what ifs, I'm looking at what is fact. And what is fact is that they were who they were as far as how big they were and how talented they were back then. Um, And I can't go off of, okay, well, if they were playing now, then maybe Wilt Chamberlain was a few inches taller, which I don't know if that would even make sense, but maybe... 30 pounds heavier and much more athletic and same thing. Yeah, I don't don't think we can really like debate with height. That's like a genetics kind of thing. But you know, with, uh, with weight for sure. Um, I think at that point, if they're around these, you know, this point, they would have been, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier, would have been able to have more of a body type to at least body a guy like a Shaquille O'Neal. Not saying they would be able to, you know, equally body each other but you know you're not going to put that same frail kind of center up against a guy like Shaq or you know any of those bigger dominant centers at that point they would have had to adapt or they wouldn't have had that same spot in the league so I mean that's again what ifs that we don't need to think about Shaq would have eaten (laughs) would have eaten Bill Russell eaten Kareem Abdul-Jabbar alive Hakeem Olajuwon we saw them play against each other Hakeem I mean he won a championship against Shaq in the NBA Finals, but once Shaq became the dominant force that he ultimately was when he was with the Lakers in the early 2000s, yeah, there's no center that can touch him or even come close. So um, I'm curious, though, Perry. So my list was based off of players that I would build around. So if your list, if you were making it based off of who would you want to build your team around if they were all in their prime, who would you have at number one? Would it? Um, would it still be Michael Jordan or would that change? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, it would still be Michael Jordan. Uh, in his prime, he was the best player to ever play. That's it. Okay. I mean, you can look at dominant force, dominant athlete, whatever you want to look at. I'm just talking about the fact of it uh, didn't matter who was around Michael Jordan. They could have put anyone there. Scottie Pippen, you know. Carl Malone, Ronald McDonald, like he would have <laughs> still won those championships. So, yeah, Michael Jordan and then uh, LeBron James would have been number two then, if that's how I was looking at it. I uh, would have definitely wanted to build a team around him too. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, at least we got the LeBron James ranking the same in that because I had him at number two in mine. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, uh, I think we got a little, little bit of different views on this, but of course, uh, you know, similar at the same time depends how you look at it really yeah just we had a different way of ranking the players and i think just where we fare is ranking players from the 50s and 60s really and just where we value them based off of their competition was the biggest thing so i know we were going to get to or we were planning to get to the top 10 players in the nba right now but this podcast we ran longer than we were hoping for i think we spent a little bit more time than we originally thought we would on the 2K ratings, which is fine. I mean, we both had a lot hey, to I'm say. I'm excited. Yeah. No, I'm very excited about 2K. And when it comes out, I will destroy you in 2K. Yeah, we're going to have There's that no uh, live streaming for you guys to see our game. So, <laughs> winner or loser, we'll, we'll have an interesting bet. But, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, well, you know, obviously we didn't get to that list this time. We'll hit it next time. Yes, uh, sure. But we wanted to really get in depth about the all-time list. That is one of the most important lists, one of the most heavily debated lists ever. You type that in on Google right now, you'll find six different lists, completely different. Just, you know, pretty much you can get convinced either way. One through ten, you catch them on a different day with a different argument and they all can interchange. So, I mean, at that point, I'm glad we took the time to really uh, crunch the numbers on our all-time list. Yes, for sure. So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. We will make sure to get to that top 10 players in the NBA right now on a different podcast. That's another one that I'm excited about. I know Perry and I are going to have different views on that for sure. Like always. Yeah, always. So... With that, thank you all for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston. Perry, say thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yes, thank you, and we will have another podcast on soon. Until then, take care.